Hello to everyone tuning in. Most of you are familiar with Celtics life, but if not, here's a quick rundown. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics. From the latest rumor to that other trade rumor, the Nets pick, and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for life card, no one knows honestly. We're here today with an emergency pod, in the aftermath of the Marcus Cousins trade to the New Orleans Pelicans with Celtics Life UK correspondent Josh Coyne and myself, Justin Quinn. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going, Justin? Not too bad. So, um, this was unexpected. Extremely unexpected, and um, uh, it's just crazy that it it happened, you know, amidst all the all-star craziness. Well, it's kind of fitting with uh, New Orleans being the, the target location, so there is that. Yeah, I, I kind of love the reaction uh, of Boogie himself when he found out, well, seemingly found out, um, okay. where he kind of kind of had that moment of shock, um, and then that turned into, oh, I love New Orleans. <laughs> Twitter Twitter was absolutely on fire last night. Um it was it was almost as entertaining as the All Star Game. I have to be honest. I was I was having a riot. Yeah, especially I mean Celtics Twitter specifically uh, seemed to be. Um, I mean there was a lot a lot of heat. Yeah, it seems like there's there's a lot of um, well, on one side hurt feelings. I guess isn't quite the word I'm looking for, but dis- dissatisfaction with the way it played out. And on the other, it seems like there's a big sigh of relief. I count myself. Among that that group of people, um, the deal itself was um, pretty pretty impressive in terms of how small it was in return for such a such a highly regarded player, at least in some circles. Um, it included Buddy Heald, um, who the Pelicans are um, excuse me, the Pelicans, the, the Kings are looking at supposedly as a top five um, lottery pick, um, even with his rocky start to the season. Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, um, the 2017 New Orleans uh, first round pick, which is I believe top three protected, and the 2017 New Orleans um, second round pick for DeMarcus and also Omri Caspi, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I heard that the, actually the 17 uh, top three protected, uh, I, believe, I, I could be completely wrong, but I, I believe there was some kind of technicality about there being a pick swap involved. But, um, really? Yeah. Do you have any more details, or uh, I, don't, I don't? I don't have any more details. This is literally just on Twitter as as I loaded this up. Oh wow, that's crazy! Yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to look into that. That's something to watch out for. Um, some other things that are going on with this move is apparently um, it's been reported that they're also trying to move on from Collison, Naflalo, and McLemore. Um, in exchange for some rookie deals or some picks, and it sounds like they're going to really tear it down. Um, I think it was Ben Stein, Ben Stein, uh, Mark Stein, who was talking about maybe Matt Barnes being waived. Though I haven't seen anything else around that, so I mean that could really that could really shake some things up. Um, I could imagine a few teams around the league, uh, Cleveland in particular, who could who could use a point guard. Absolutely. I mean, um, one thing I would say is, like you said, it seems as though they are completely bottoming out. But I think that one thing about Barnes being there was that it seemed like he was one of Cousins' boys. Um, obviously, that that isn't an issue now. And if you're getting one of, you know, rid of one guy who's, you know, 
uh, questionable character within the locker room. You know, Matt Barnes isn't your guy to lead the, lead the young guys that are coming through if you're rebuilding. So, you know, it seems it seems that it might be fair game for Matt Barnes now. Yeah, I'm wondering what's going to happen with him or where he could end up. I could see him. I could see him going to any of the title contenders, really um, picking, getting picked up off of waivers. Um, I don't really see the Celtics uh, being interested in really any of these parts that, that could get shaken off of Sacramento, though, do you? No, absolutely not. I think that, um, guys, I mean, part of the reason, um, that, uh, in my opinion, that he wasn't even pursued by Boston, uh, DeMarcus, is the is the character issue, uh, and for that reason, I, yeah, I really wouldn't see us making any kind of movement for Matt Barnes. And in terms of uh, you know the other guys that Sacramento are trying to uh, you know get rid of, possibly you know in a trade, Collison, Mclemore, these are guys who have who aren't getting bet- better. You know, mclemore has been given. Uh, you know, what, you know, depending on the right scenario, Macklemore might be able to improve, but uh, the consensus seems to be out on him in that, you know, the potential that people believe that he had might not be reached. And then Collison, you know, we've seen Collison. We know we know what he's about. So it, it seems that from a Sacramento point of view, it, it's time to fully move on. And this is the way to do it. So another another piece that might shake free on the New Orleans side, um, I've been seeing some reports about Terrence Jones, not Terrence Ross. It's easy to get confused with all the Terrences moving around lately. Um, but Terrence Jones, he is um, a Kentucky product himself, if I'm not mistaken. And he's young. He's only 25 years old. He's on a $1 million, one, $1 million one-year uh, deal. Um, and he's putting up a, a, a pretty decent – you know, he's he's – Starting some games for New Orleans occasionally, um, putting up about 11 points per game, six rebounds and a block. Um, and he can shoot okay. I wouldn't call him a floor stretcher, but I mean, he's close to 30% around the three point line. Um, so he could conceivably fit into Boston's offense. Um, for, you know, I mean, something as simple as like a James Young swap and maybe a little bit of cash to make it CBA legal. You think that should be something maybe Boston would be interested in? Yeah, once again, like you said, um, depending on the price. Um, if, it, if it was something like you suggested at the end there, it would be something worth pursuing. He's certainly a body. He's, he's, he's physical. Um, and he seems, you know, he seems like someone who's a bit of an effort guy. Um, so, I, I, I mean, if, if there's no downside to that deal, is there? You know, one, one year, one million, 25 years old, potential. I, I think it's worth it, and it definitely seems like the kind of move that Ainge would go for, considering the crowd, the crowd move. Indeed. So another thing to think about um, that occurred to me is the the situation with we had we had Demarcus looking to sign that designated veteran exception supermax with uh, Sacramento, and now he can't with New Orleans based on the new CBA from my understanding of it, which, you know, I'm not exactly sure how many millions of dollars it's going to cost him, but I know it's going to be at least, at least in the the low single digits, if not more, I think it might be, I think it might be as much as four or $5 million a year. I have to check on that. But that in my mind, uh, with all the noise we heard coming from Vivek and Vlade um, about this extension um, and his, his agent, Marcus's agent, seemingly in denial up to the very end about the trade. Um, I really think it's going to hurt the free agency market um, with the Kings. 
Yeah, I would say so. Um, and the, the questions that that raise, you, you know, um, that, that raises a few questions. I think uh, it's mainly uh, what will come out within the next few days um, from Sacramento because, you know, uh, broken, broken promises, obviously, you know, they, they, they come about when there's a broken down relationship. Um, and, and it's yet to be seen really, you know, I imagine a, a few interviews will come out with Vivek and Vlade um, that kind of signify why the extension didn't happen, why he was traded why he was promised in the first place. So, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens on that one. Um, what else is, what else is going on there? So the other, the other rumored deals that ended up getting shut down, have some people scratching their heads. Um, a couple of days ago, we were, we, we already spoke about the, um, Vucevic and Fournier, um, plus picks deal that, that, um, I guess Orlando walked away from, um, which seems like a better, better deal in my mind. And then reportedly Lakers were also in talks, but wouldn't put Ingram on the table. Um, do you think that Boston could have, assuming, you know, we, I know how you feel about the character issue. Um, I kind of agree with you. Um, I might be willing to have taken a gamble on Boogie for a very small, modest deal, a couple of, um, middling to low value firsts and, and salary match. Um, I don't think that's that real unrealistic, um, in, in the rear view mirror, so to speak. Um, but do you, do you think that there's something that could have been put together from Boston that would have made sense? I certainly think that there, there, there were deals there. Um, if, if New Orleans were able to put together an offer that, that, you know, meant something to Sacramento, then Boston are definitely the team, um, that could have rivaled it. Anytime there's anyone that appears to be available, it's always Boston that's in, that's in talks according to, you know, basketball Twitter. Um, so yeah. I, I definitely, there were things, believe that there were something that, that Ainge could have put together. However, I am of the school of thought that Boston's best approach is to set up the team for the next decade, hold on to the assets. You know, they, they've got space to chase all-star all level talent in the summer, draft elite, pro, you know, draft elite prospects this summer and next summer. Patience is a virtue, and I think, you know, ultimately it makes us better as a team for the next year onwards. I agree with that, and uh, as soon as the new CBA, the ink was dry on it, um, people were talking about how, you know, franchise players weren't going to be moving, and we are the better part of a week away from the trade deadline still, and a franchise player just moved. So the conventional wisdom surrounding that seems to be that the – New CBA um, with a designated um, designated player exception. That that seems like it was going to put a damper on trading for stars in the future. Um, so in that light, building through the draft does seem like the wiser thing. But now I'm actually starting to wonder if we're going to see any other big moves and whether or not this low price on such a such a you know I mean he's he's a divisive player for sure in lots of different ways of thinking about the word divisive, but. Does the the low ball offer being accepted um, by Sacramento impact, say, for example, a Jimmy Butler to Boston deal? In your opinion, I think I think they're very different cases. Um, of course, I mean I, I don't want to harp on about the same issue, but you know it appears that Demarcus is an obstacle to coaches, or at least he is. You know that's the conclusion that we can make with the information that we have. 
you know, he's confronted journalists, spoke out you know, against King's personnel, and that's within a small market. You know, would people struggle? Would he struggle in a more intense Boston media atmosphere? That seems to be the case. You know, so I think that him and Butler being traded, I think their values are worlds apart now. I think that whilst there is turmoil in Chicago, I don't think that there's the kind of turmoil that there is in Sacramento. It, it reeks to me of a deal that was more about Sacramento accepting anything to, to, to rebuild because they, they were done with DeMarcus. And that, don't, that wouldn't come as a surprise to everyone. So in that context, I guess we could say if Jimmy Butler were in Sacramento, do you think that we might be hearing the same kind of or seeing, not just hearing, the same kind of visible displeasure? Or do you do you think that this is something more related to, I mean, is it is it kind of like a synergistic thing where it's the personality of Boogie and the horrible, horrible front office of Sacramento just creating a perfect storm of a mess? Or, or, Sac, or Sacramento really right to move on? And I, I mean, I guess we're going to find out when we find out you know, some more dirt. I imagine we're going to, but I'm just curious, curious as to whether or not, because there's, there's been some, some pushback, uh, from, from Butler in terms of, of what's going on with the management, what's going on with the coaching at various stages. And it's never been as bad, but I mean, I just have to wonder is, is, is Butler potentially as problematic as Boogie? Should things not go as well where he's at or where he ends up if he gets traded? Um, the, 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 the key thing to, um, think about in, in that respect, I think is that, um, Butler doesn't act the way that DeMarcus does on the court. Um, sometimes he can be a detriment to the team as, I mean, he's, you know, um, don't get me wrong. DeMarcus Cousin is an unbelievable basketball player. He's exact, if his skill set is exactly what Boston needs. However, if Jimmy Butler joined the team, it would be very different to if DeMarcus Cousins joined the team in terms of, um, you know, fitting into the coach's system. And, and I think that that was the, you, you, you made a point, you asked a question, sorry, earlier on about if, if Jimmy Butler was in Sacramento, would it be different? I think that Jimmy Butler would be winning more games in Sacramento over the last three years or so. And I also think that, he would have found a way to, I know that he hasn't particularly done this in, in, in Chicago, but to, to a great effect, but I think he, he, he would be able to make his players better than DeMarcus has been able to do. I tend to agree with you, but I'm not sure everyone is going to agree with us. It is what it is, I suppose. Um, so some other things, um, tangentially related to that deal, um, ESPN's Justin Verrier reported that New Orleans was checking in on uh, PG-13, Paul George. Um, though I haven't heard any other details, I'm imagining that Larry Bird told him to go pound sand um, based on what they had to offer. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or more specifically the fact that um, Larry Bird has kind of, you know, reportedly through Woj uh, made the Indiana 2017 first rounder available to get Paul George help. So it sounds like he's He's going in the other direction. Is this all, like, what do you make of this? Is it a sign of panic? Is it a sign of smart building? Is he available? What do you think? I think that it's a sign that, uh, and it's a very, you know, 
it's a smart move. He's, you know, if, if the clock's ticking on Paul George and Paul George is the kind of talent uh, that you do everything that you can to keep. And I think that it's just a move from, from Bird to, to do exactly that. Um, if he does become available, you know, everyone will be throwing everything they can at him uh, at Indiana to try and, you know, acquire him. But yeah, it's, it's just a sign really of, of, of Bird, yeah, like you said, just just attempting to get some help for George. So Washington is also talking about uh, surrendering its 2017 first. I'm of the opinion that that is them envisioning a possible uh, path to at least the finals, if not the championship, which would be huge for that club, uh, particularly with, with the regression of the last year or so. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's... Um... I'm not sure that anything that they could acquire would push them um, to, to the level you suggested. I think that, uh, <laughs> you, you know, if, if, if they were to get to, to move there first, uh, firstly, I don't think that they'd get, um, or, you know, as much as they'd hope back for it. Um, and and even, even if they did, I don't think, I mean, obviously they've got an incredible backcourt. Um, but I, I, I don't think anything that's available at this stage pushes them to the level that they would hope for. So I personally don't think, you know, I still think they're a few years off even that kind of stage, especially with, you know, the level of which Wall and Beal are developing. They could be incredible in a few years. And if, if, if they were able to keep a, you know, develop a young guy alongside them, then, then, then why not build for the future instead of trying to make that kind of, um, win now move that possibly wouldn't wouldn't pay off in my opinion. How much longer do you remember? How much longer Wall has on his deal? I know I know that um, Bradley Beal is, has at least a couple more years on his deal, but Wall is not looking at free agency or anything like that anytime soon. Is no, there? I'm no, I'm not sure to be honest. I'm going to take a quick look at that, but let's move on to uh, the. The bullpit um, conversation about Gallinari. Um, he reported on Friday, I think, that Boston was keeping an eye out for him. In the same article where he was talking about, you know, his his logic, I think, is, is Danny Angie's aversion to, you know, quote unquote rental players. Um, yeah. I'm assuming that's like Ibaka and possibly Bogut also. Um, but it also seems to go against this whole cap flexibility. Uh, thing that we've already brought up earlier um, with the two years that are left on his deal. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is Gallinari something that Danny Ainge, I mean, we, I know that he's been linked to us before, but do you think that's a realistic acquisition, uh, his contract? Well, he's a good player, but, um, you know, like, like you said, like we've suggested before, the logical from a business point of view and and the the uh, route to go uh, route to go down with 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 the least risk is to sit on our assets and and, and you know it's 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 very close to the summer and in the summer we can draft an elite young guy and look at people in free agency i think if we were to move for gallinari now it wouldn't hit us you know it wouldn't take us to that next level um as i said with um with Washington, Gallinari wouldn't possibly take us to to beating anyone that is going to be contending from the Western Conference. Um, so I, I would still wait on that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how much weight there is behind that story. Uh, you never know. But um, Danilo Gallinari is 
not the level of the people you would hope that would be chasing in summer. I agree. Um, I, I'm not really sure what Volpet's thinking was there. He, he didn't make, you know, a, a strong statement. He made it, he made it clear that this was just his opinion. Um, and like, I, I, I see the fact that, you know, he's got an extra year on the deal. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that, that would be an interesting pairing, but then, you know, you have the whole Crowder and Brown below him, um, who would be fighting at both positions. He can play really well, uh, for minutes. So I, I can see a lot of reasons why that would also not work. And I tend to agree with you. Um, yeah. And the other thing, the other thing is that, um, you know, obviously you, you previously mentioned, um, Ainge's, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to rent players and that became abundantly clear when, there was no report of us being, you know, us pushing so hard that we can even get close to Ibaka. You know, Ibaka went for less than we could have given. Um, and Ibaka's a hell of a player that would, that would have, would have helped the team. Um, but it was clear to everyone that it was a rental. So I, I, I don't think that, um, Ainge would have pushed, would push too hard on Gallinari. So do you think that means that Bogut is out also? I think that there's, um, I, I, I think there's a more immediate need for someone like Boga. Um, I think from, from, a t- from this team's point of view, having uh, the body of Andrew Boga uh, on the team when we're playing big games and, and trying to contend is actually a bigger attribute to playing Gallinari over someone like Jake Crowder. Okay. That's, that's, that's a pretty strong argument. Um, I was actually surprised. I kind of felt like that that might have been aimed at also Bogut, but I mean, considering the rebounding he can bring when healthy, that keyword when healthy. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's why also why he's cheap because he's back nine of the career. Um, but that brings me to, um, another rumor that popped up yesterday tied to Boston that seems to fly completely in the face of that. Um, deep interest reportedly in PJ Tucker of Phoenix. What are your thoughts? Well, to be honest, I don't know much about the, um, about PJ Tucker's contract. Um, I could, but when I've Up seen it, um, I believe it's in the five to six million dollar range. And in terms of production, it's pretty underwhelming in terms of offense. For a wing, um, he's only averaging about six points per game. They're not playing him super heavily. Um, that may be because they're trying to get a high draft pick or it may just be because he's, he's getting up there in years. I think he's 31, if I remember right. Uh, but he does shoot 34% over the, his career from three point, uh, three, three point range. And he's pulling down seven rebounds, which is a lot for someone his size and position. It could be pretty good on the second unit. Yeah, it would be good. Um, I, th- I think that he also brings that kind of toughness that um, this this team kind of um, prides itself upon. Uh, a lot of our guards, specifically, um, and you know, um, some of our second unit are, are, are tough guys, and and, it, and it's the kind of identity that Stevens has tried to uh, build with the team. I think Tucker would seamlessly kind of um, come into the team, but it's all about the kind of. Uh, role that he would play and how, and how prominent he would be within the team. Yeah, it's really hard to figure out what's going to shake out out of all of this, so it's probably best for us to sit back and enjoy the show. Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, you recently made a trip to Boston from the United Kingdom, UK, the British one, <laughs> pretty recently. Uh, 
didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, okay, so I, I, as, as uh, the listeners can probably tell, uh, I'm from the United Kingdom, um, so you probably don't hear many uh, hardcore Boston fans um, speaking with this accent, but I've always had an affinity with the game, um, and this is, you know, mainly due to the uh, to my parents' influence. Um, I've always loved the Celtics, and that came from uh, my dad, who would show me Larry Bird clips from a young age, and I tr- truly became a basketball obsessive in 2008 uh, during the Big Three ah, Championship. Uh, and you know, now I'm well versed in the franchise tradition, um, and I've visited a few times. Uh, and obviously, I write for Celtics Live. So, you know, what me and my friends, who are also Celtics fans, uh, we kind of, um, you know, we we uh, planned a trip. Very cool. So, for those of you who are listening and don't know, um, I'm also out of the United States. Um, I'm in Mexico City myself, working on my dissertation. Though I grew up in New England, um, in Connecticut, so kind of. You know, probably more logical connection in some people's minds as to how that happened, uh, you know, local indoctrination. <laughs> um, so how did the trip go? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we planned the trip um, stateside based on the fact that uh, the Celtics actually had four home games in a week. Uh, we shaped the entire trip around it. Um, you know, it was a, it was it just so happened to be the week in which the uh, Patriots were in the Super Bowl. So it was a hell of an atmosphere within the city. Um, we stayed, yeah, we we stayed in a, a short-term rental apartment, and that was in the North End. Uh, I, I found it a really great area to stay in. Uh, so much great Italian food, uh, local charm, you know, nice uh, local stores. Uh, li- literally a two-minute walk from the TD Garden, so I got to know the local bars very well and, you know, really enjoyed the atmosphere that was around the TD Garden. So what games did you go to? Uh, well, the first game of the trip was, uh, uh, I believe, on January the 30th, was uh, the Detroit Pistons. Um, we, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just take you through the game. So we, we arrived early, um, had a few legend sightings, you know, such as Kevin McHale, which brought the fanboy out in me. Um, I, I kind of rushed over to him, um, and in, in, you put yourself in that kind of dream scenario where he turns around, gives me a basketball, and we go play hoops together on the court. Uh, but that didn't that didn't happen. Um, we were seated right on the floor. Uh, we were in uh, the low 16. Um, it was oh, uh, a great atmosphere. Uh, I was, uh, you know, assured by um, local fans that you know this is uh, not the kind of Monday night atmosphere that they come to expect. Uh, so that was really great. Then did you, did you catch any other games, or was it just yeah, just we, the? You said there was yeah, four or four home. Right. Yeah, that's right. Four home games. So uh, on the Wednesday, um, I think it was uh, February the first. Uh, we, uh, funnily enough, through uh, uh, one of my friends, um, knew someone who knew their dad, um, and we got on the court before the game. Uh, we sat courtside uh, during warm up warm ups, which was a great experience. Um, and uh, you know, it, it really puts it into perspective how, just how great these guys are when you see them from within a meter. Um, uh, it was a huge game uh, against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the, obviously, that was a time in which the Celtics were battling Toronto for the second seed. Uh, so it was a huge game. Uh, and I remember during the game, I remember thinking, you know, what this is what a playoffs 
game sounds like in Boston. Uh, I, of course, didn't, didn't have a real reference point for that, so I uh, went home and listened to it afterwards uh, on League Pass. Uh, and obviously, I have a reference point as to what playoff sounds like um, on, on TV. Um, and it really uh-huh. sounded special from, even from that perspective. But I, le- I, left, I left amazed by um, uh, just uh, the, you know, Isaiah put on a really, truly special performance that night, scoring 44 points against a, against a, a big rival in the East. And uh, just, just uh, witnessing that in real life was pretty special. Uh, and then the, the, the last two games were against both, both Los, Los Angeles teams. Uh, we oh, watched the Lakers. That was the game for the most wins all time in the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is that, um, you know, we planned this trip, um, and, uh, almost every game meant something, you know, really yeah, special. You could not possibly have found four more games in a season that would have been better choices. Never mind home games. To yeah. come it, it was, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a hell of a deal. Um, we, we watched the Lakers game. Um, in a bar right by the TD um, on the Friday, uh, before going to see a few more bars in the area, and it was a it was a really good atmosphere, really really fun night. Um, and then obviously, I mean, you know, from an emotional point of view, possibly the one with the most meaning was on the Sunday, um, which was the the game the against. Clippers. That's right, yeah, the Clippers. You know, that was uh, for us. Our, our seats weren't quite as good that time. Uh, we were up in the nosebleeds, but it was uh, it was just special to be in the arena for Paul's last game, uh, Paul Pierce's last game, and uh, it was a bit of an emotional vibe in the in in the building uh, during the tribute and uh, during the you know well well covered uh, final shot. But um, what you may have not got from the TV, anyone who watched it who wasn't there, uh, was that the crowd was constantly instead of the kind of standard defense uh, chant. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone shouting Paul Pierce, and uh, the the entire game, uh, we want Paulie was was ringing out, and everyone got their Paul Pierce uh, headbands given to them for free, and um, you know everyone was just attempting to get Doc to put him in the game, and obviously then we had our uh, our special moment where where he was able to put it away in the final shot. Well, I would be lying if I said I'm not jealous here in Mexico City. If I can get even. One game a year with a team that's actually in the NBA, I am pretty happy. Uh, hopefully, you know, there were some rumors that we might be getting a team here in Mexico City at some time in the next couple of years with an expansion move, possibly also adding Seattle. But for now, um, I can only catch those games when I'm either in Florida visiting my folks or, you know, in the rare times I actually get up to New England to, to visit family up there. Well, it's going to be hard. it's going to ha- it's going to be you know difficult to get anything over that imaginary wall. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure when the arena's being built over there. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Do <laughs> um, you have anything that's going on uh, in terms of writing or anything else that you're working on that you want to plug or anything you're looking forward to? Well, to be honest, I, I've had a, from a you know a personal point of view, I've had so much stuff going on at the moment. So I, I've, I've I've taken my uh, Foot off the gas a little bit, but I'm ready to get back on it very soon. Um, my Twitter Twitter handle is poundcoin, uh, but the coin is spelled C-O-Y-N-E. So obviously that's a hilarious pun. Um, and if you uh, if you go on there, you'll be able to see everything that I've I've written from Celtics Life and everything that I will continue to write. All right, very cool. Um, just for the 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 routine. Uh, 
references. You should all, who are listening, check out the top of CelticsLife.com. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies that you can get there. You can't get them anywhere else. You can get tickets uh, to the next game. And um, keep an eye out for all kinds of stuff trade deadline related. Um, it's going to be an active deadline, I feel, uh, with what's been already happening and all the other stuff that's blowing around. Um, we'll have plenty of content on Celtics life about the deadline. And if any other blockbuster moves happen, um, in the next couple of days, we may do another emergency pod. If it's, a, if it's a big enough deal where it's going to really impact the, the terrain of the league. Um, and of course, um, if we, you know, the Celtics get involved in a trade, um, of any kind, really, we'll, we'll probably do something else, um, just to cover that unless it's really close to the next podcast. Um, like say Thursday, um, so, yeah, I don't know. Buckle up. It's going to be a really crazy week. You can find the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. Um, and if you don't like something, don't give us a low ranking because that will just make it harder for us to do what we want to do for you, which is provide you with what you want to hear. So you make sure you let us know. You can you can use the pod um, hashtag Celtics Life Pod. Um, and you know, we're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage you want the way you like it. So let us know what we can do to make it better. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks very much. And I, I'm glad I could help with the emergency. <laughs> well, not that big of an emergency, but you know, you got to cover it. So take care. Thanks. <laughs>